In July, the mayor signed a new law that clarified and enabled urban agriculture. But city farming, whether personal or commercial, isn't so much a new idea as it is a throwback. Well, UPS is funny because they, they ask you what's in there. So the first time I said goat blood, and he, he actually didn't blink to his credit. I don't know how he held a straight face. It turns out not even a goat pregnancy test can surprise the UPS man, says Doug Plissé. He's standing at Arlington Acres, the one-tenth of an acre urban farm he owns and operates with Carrie Pavlik. The two also own Steel City Grazers, Pittsburgh's only goat grazing business. Think of it as an all-goat landscaping crew with a guardian donkey. I believe we're the only people with goats in the city, although I've heard, uh, like, fifth-hand that somebody might have a goat. But uh, as somebody else pointed out, it might just be back to us. I don't know. It's not terribly surprising that Pavlik and Plissé are likely the only two people in city limits engaged in goat husbandry. Until July, there was no language regulating backyard ruminants, says Pavlik. I mean, in the original ordinances, it didn't really mention goats at all. It really focused just on chickens and bees. So when we got the goats um, a couple years ago, they were outlaws. <laughs> Arlington Acres' two Nigerian dwarf goats weren't gun-toting ne'er-do-wells. But there was something of the Wild West about them, at least in the exhaustively detailed world of zoning. Owning goats was uncodified, neither legal nor quite illegal. Such are the vagaries of city code, says Shelley Danko Day, open space specialist for city planning. All of our our rules have been building on top of each other for a hundred year, two hundred years. So um, it needs to be sorted out. Danko Day was hired in 2013 through the city's open space plan, which aims to maximize vacant, green, and recreation spaces. Part of that is making it possible to grow food, animal or vegetable, on city land. When you get your hands in the dirt and you manipulate it and you make something grow and then you see something emerge from nothing, it's magical. It's another, it's a new version of something that was going on um, very commonly in Pennsylvania, say, 90 years ago. Sally McMurray is Professor Emerita at Penn State University, specializing in agricultural history. She says what seems magical now, farming in the city, used to be par for the course. Cows grazed in present-day West Park. There were goats on Mount Washington. And according to the 1850 agricultural census, there were 185 farms in East Birmingham, now part of present-day Southside. Many, many wage workers managed to get access to a few acres where they and their families would keep animals and raise a few, maybe vegetables or even field crops. McMurray says for many, farming and working in the mills or mines wasn't an either-or situation. A strong infrastructure of local markets made it possible to supplement one's income and diet by growing and selling food. The progressive reformers thought it was terrible. You know, they thought it was dirty and uh, kind of peasant-related and so on. But if you look at it in a different way, it, it becomes a means of um, sustenance. The sound of traffic nearly drowns out the commentary of Arlington Acres' chickens and goats, as Blasé considers how the new ordinance could affect the local food system. There's acres and acres and acres and acres in Pittsburgh that are going unused and are completely overgrown, and that's land that potentially um, enterprising people could take and turn into productive farmland. He pauses and jokes, I guess I'll be satisfied when the population of goats matches the population of Pittsburgh. No. For 90.5 WESA Celebrates Inventing Pittsburgh, I'm Margaret J. Krause. UPMC is proud to support 90.5 WESA Celebrates Inventing Pittsburgh. UPMC, life-changing medicine.